for this passage, the phrase came to me, do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle today? As I look around our church, I see some miracles here today. Isn't it good to have Brother Mike Martin with us today? I don't know if Brother Mark Brown's here, but I, I see a miracle up there. The fact is, we all need a miracle, don't we? And if you're saved today, church, let me remind you, you've experienced the miracle of Jesus. In this passage, we see a, a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus who needed a miracle. The Bible says in verse 21, if you'll join me, it's a, it's a lengthy passage, but we really need to read it to get the whole context. Verse 21 of Mark 5, the Bible says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and saith unto her, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. A powerful passage here. Jesus, let me set the stage, was by the Sea of Galilee. The Bible says he had passed over by ship and the crowd was great. The Bible says much people thronged him. That The picture, if you would, people gathered around Jesus. It was probably hard for him to walk. I'm sure the disciples almost were like secret service trying to get him through the crowds and help him make his way. His reputation had preceded him of healing people and performing miracles. His power had been demonstrated earlier by the healing of the nobleman's son, turning the water into wine. Jesus had demonstrated his power many times and multitudes had began to gather to see this man named Jesus. One of the things I love is we built a foundation for the message earlier in this chapter. Jesus healed the maniac at Gadara. The Bible said this man was demon-possessed. Now, this ain't the message today, but the Bible said this man was demon-possessed by many demons. 
and God, God rebuked the demons. The Bible says they entered into a herd of swine on the mountain. And the Bible said 2,000 hogs jumped off that mountain. I'd like to sing that, amen? And went in, that, went in that water. Then he came into this crowd, and Jairus came. And what I like about that, he heals this woman of this disease. And then he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. He also healed the man that was demon. What I like about that is this. God has power over the natural and the supernatural. Amen? I like that. We need to remember that. Whether your need today and your miracle today is physical or spiritual, God's the answer. Jesus is the answer for you, whatever your need is. In today's passage, we find this man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, looking for Jesus, seeking him out. And church, I would say to you today that in our world, in our society, and in our community, there are a lot, there are throngs of people looking for Jesus. They're looking for him. Now, sometimes the view's muddy. It's not real clear today in our culture who God is. I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is God. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen? Hey, and in this election season, I want you to know, He don't need our vote and He ain't running for election. He's God. And that's where my hope and my faith is today. All but the world can give us a, a muddy picture of that. But Jairus was looking for Jesus. He was looking for hope. He was looking for answers. His little girl was dying. And he was looking for God. He was looking for Christ. In your foundational notes today, write this down. Number one, Jairus was desperate and knew his only hope was Jesus. And number two, Jairus was determined to find Jesus. Jason mentioned a while ago in his prayer that, that we are a desperate people for God. Hey, church, we need God. We need Jesus. I want you to know today, I'm thankful today to be a born-again Christian. I'm thankful today that Jesus gave me the miracle of salvation. That Jesus pulled me out of my pit and saved me and gave me a new life. That Jesus, hey, transformed me. People today are looking for that. And Jairus was desperate. He was determined to find God. His 12-year-old daughter was dying. And he heard that Jesus was in town. And I thought about his desire. And Jairus had a desire to find Christ. Let me ask you this morning, what are you desiring Think of something that you're desiring today. Have you ever... I can always relate to food, amen? Have you ever desired your favorite meal? Think of your favorite meal. Some of y'all just think of it right now. And, and have you ever desired it? I mean really desired it, amen? The company I work for used to be... I used to be based in the Atlanta division. And there's a lot of good restaurants in Atlanta. Now I'm based in the Dallas division... So we do meetings down there. I've, and for those of you that are from Texas, I have discovered that when it comes to beef, nobody does it better than Texas. Hallelujah. And I am a meat eater. Amen. Amen for all the meat eaters in the house today. Yes. I, hey, all you vegetarians, pray for us. Amen. I'm not against you, but I'm a carnivore. I like meat. I've tried everything too. Chicken, pig, beef. I make some coon one night. God help. I'll eat anything. If it's meat, I'll eat it. I'll try it. I'll try it. Amen. Let me say that. But in Texas, they know how to do beef. And so I have fallen in love with beef brisket. Can I get a witness for beef brisket? And see, the problem is, if you're not excited about it, is you ain't never had any from Texas. Because I used to not get excited about it until I went to Rudy's. God help us. Some of them been there. I'm talking about desire. I desire Rudy's brisket. I'm talking about when I get close to Rudy's, when I'm going to a meeting, 
I start thinking about it. Amen? Some of y'all do the same thing. Don't act like you don't. Some of y'all thinking about lunch already. I'm talking about when I pull up to the front. It's an old country store front. I can smell the mesquite. I can smell the wood, the smoke flavor. You walk in and there's a big sign that says beef brisket, moist or dry. Come on now. I like mine moist with some sauce and some bread and some cream corn and some baked beans. And I'm telling you, hey, my desire gets to the point before I eat it, I can taste it. Hey, I'm talking about before I even get my food, I can already visualize me eating this meal. What are you saying, Brother Butch? I'm talking about real desire. Real desire here. God says, do you desire me? Jairus desired to see Jesus this day. And it wasn't passive. It wasn't complacent. He was on a mission. I'm telling you, he had desire to see God this day. And I'm telling you, this church, hey, the miracle was preceded by his desire for Christ. Some of us need to get our desire back for God. We think that we can passively, complacently slip around, try to fit God into our schedule. You're not going to see any miracles in your life until you start desiring God again. And more than you desire anything in this world, God help us today to get back a hunger and a thirst and a desire to know God. Salvation is God knowing you, but an anointing from God is you knowing Him. Jairus was desperate. He was determined. This miracle was preceded by a man who desired God. Some of us just need a fresh desire, amen? See, there's a danger being saved a long time. You lose your desire. Let's just be honest. You can apply this to a marriage. You've got to keep it fresh, amen? Come on, husbands. Don't say amen here. God help. But some of us just need a fresh anointing. The Bible teaches that we need a daily renewal, a daily freshness. Some of y'all trying to live on a spiritual victory you had a decade ago. God help us. God wants to give you victory today. God wants to bless you today. Let's quit living in the past on past spiritual accomplishments. And let's ask God to lead us forward with victory and life and accomplishment in the name of Jesus. Desire. Jairus desired God. He had a reason to. His little girl was dying. I'm going to tell you something. You may, not, you may not care if God ever hears your prayer, but one of these days you're going to want Him to hear your cry. I, my prayer life's been dry before, but since my son fell into drug addiction, I've had a new desire for God. I've wept. God, hear my cry. I believe this is where Jairus was. I've got a daughter, and I can't imagine what he was going through. If you look at the account of this story in the book of Luke, it tells us not only was she just 12, she was his only child. This was a desperate situation. In your notes, and we'll finish uh, the last part of the foundation. Oh, God help, I'm still in the foundation. It's 1130. While salvation is God seeking you, And anointing many times is determined by you seeking God. Five things that preceded this miracle. What I want to do today is look at what happened before the miracle. We know at the end of this chapter that Jairus' daughter was not only healed. this This went from a healing needing to take place. She was ill to the miracle of raising the dead. She died. This, this was a stronger miracle than the beginning of the passage. And we know what happened. But what happened before that? You see, the problem with us today, we want the miracles. We want spiritual power. Hey, we want God to show up in our life, but we're not willing to do what happened before the miracle. For some reason, God's people today think we can live any way we want to and have the power of God in our life. It don't work that way, church. 
We think we can hold hands with the world and hold hands with God and show up and say, God, do a miracle in my life. That's not how it works. Let's look today in this passage at what happened before the miracle. Number one in your notes, Jairus was willing to humble himself before Jesus. Look at verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, when he saw Jesus, what did he do? He fell at his feet. He fell at the feet of Jesus. Now let me give you a little history lesson here before we jump on this topic. Jairus, in the first verse, said he was a ruler of the synagogue. Now that has great meaning. Jairus would have been one of the leaders of the church. This synagogue happened to be in Capernaum. Jairus would have been one of the lead pastors. He would have been a man of authority. He would have been the guy, the the ruler of the synagogue. If you study that out, he would have been the guy that put together the service, the order of service, the worship. He would have been the guy that decided who stood up to read the scripture. He would have been the guy to see how things flow and make sure everything was right before the service started. He was a ruler of the synagogue. This tells us a lot. It tells us, first of all, that everybody knew him. Amen? Keep this in mind as you picture this man in this throng of people looking for Jesus. This was not an ordinary man. This was a ruler of the synagogue, a priestly man, a man that everybody in Jerusalem looked up to, a man that everybody in Capernaum would come to the house of God to see. This was Jairus. And I guarantee you people around that day said, Hey, there's Jairus. It wasn't like a, it's like when you be in a big crowd and you see someone famous. Hey, there, isn't that Jairus over there? The second thing we have to understand is the Pharisees didn't like Jairus. And if Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue, he had a strong connection to the Pharisees. It, it, would, have, it would have been uncomfortable for Jairus to be seeking Jesus because the Pharisees, most of them did not believe he was the Messiah. Jairus, it would have been uncomfortable for him to be out there looking for Christ as a priest, as a ruler of the synagogue. So what did he have to do? Jairus had to do this, church. He did the same thing that you and I need to do. He had to humble himself before God. He had to, he had to bow. The Bible says he fell at the feet of Jesus. Some of us, the one thing we need to do is get back to the feet of Jesus. Just get back to his feet. Jairus fell at his feet. What happened here, Brother Butch? What's the lesson here? I believe the lesson is this. Jairus desired God to a point that he didn't care what people thought about it and he didn't care what the Pharisees' consequences were. Hey, he needed God. He needed a miracle. His daughter was dying. He pursued God. And he didn't care what people thought. He fell at the feet of Jesus. I I would guess to say that when he did this, as a priest, as a pharisaical leader, that the other people in the crowd just went, Did you see Jairus? Isn't he the ruler of the synagogue? What's he doing bowing at the feet of Jesus? Wow. The Pharisees probably got mad. Pharisees probably got angry at this priest. What are you saying, Brother Butch? I'm saying this, church. Listen, we better quit caring about what people think and what the Pharisees think. Hey, listen to me, church. We better quit worrying about what others think about our relationship and our desire to know God in a deeper way. As long as your faith is conditioned by the opinion of others, it's never going to grow. It's never going to mature. You're never going to reach your potential for God. God, help us today to pursue Jesus in a way, with a passion that we could care less what other thinks. Hey, I'm telling you, one of the problems with our culture today and our churches today, if we had started catering everything to our culture, we like that Burger King religion. Have it my way, amen? What we need is Wendy's, old-fashioned, hot and juicy, amen? That's what we need. That's what we need. We worry about what people think. We're trying to make everybody comfortable and everybody like it. I got news for you. A sinner that's broken down by the devil, he don't need to feel comfortable. He needs to feel convicted. 
a lost man that comes into the church and needs to be saved needs to feel conviction, not comfort. Oh, church, God help us. Jairus didn't care what anybody thought. This ruler hit his knees before God. said, God, I may lose my job. I may lose my position. I may lose some friends over this. But I need you, God. I need you, God. I didn't put this in your notes, but you need to write this one down. I like this. Jairus gave his family priority over his position. I may lose my job. Hey, they may not like it. I'm taking a risk here when it comes to my career. Hey, but I'm going to give my family priority. I'm going to tell you what we need more than anything in the United States of America that I love. We need some men that will give their family priority. I'm talking about some men that will have some influence spiritually in the lives of their wife and their children and be real leaders. Hey, I'm not talking about these soft-coated, hey, God, help us. I'm talking about a man that will say, hey, I'm going to follow Christ with, with great passion and great desire. I may make mistakes, but I want my wife and kids to know that I love Jesus and I'm going to give them priority over my position. It breaks my heart when I go to some of these basketball tournaments that my son Logan plays in. And it's amazing how few dads are there. Mamas are there. I mean, mamas are there. We went to one last weekend. 80% of the crowd was women. Where are the dads today? Where are the dads today, church? Hey, I got news for you, dads. You listen to me, and I love you. I'm, hey, I'm preaching to me today, too. Our kids need our time. They need our spiritual influence. They need dad more than they need your paycheck. They need you. Oh, God help us today. Jairus gave his family priority over his position. Another thing I like about this passage, I think that teaches us, there's a lesson here, is that humility that Jairus demonstrated, humility helps us keep our priorities in order. Amen? This man humbled himself before God and he put his family first. A good way, Daddy, to keep your priorities straight is just stay humble before God. That'll help you. That'll help me. Another thing I learned by studying this is humility always precedes an anointing of God. Some of us want the anointing. We want power. We want victory. But we're not willing to humble ourselves. Victory and anointing can't coexist with pride. You've got to humble yourself. Say, Brother Butch, what does it mean to humble yourself? Well, there's a lot of definitions. But my favorite one is this. Humility is a proper understanding of who we are and who God is. And the bottom line is, church, without God, we are nothing. I mean, if God wanted to, He could make us a greasy spot right now. Amen? But with God, with God, we can move mountains. We can move mountains. I think about men in the Bible who have been anointed, and I'm reminded of the times that they humbled themselves. I think about Moses a great man of God who led God's children across the Red Sea. But before he led them to victory, Moses went upon Mount Sinai and communed with God. And the Bible says he fell on his face before God and he fasted for 40 days. Now Moses did a supernatural fast. There ain't but two of them in the Bible, Jesus and Moses and Elijah. There's actually three counting Jesus. Moses, the Bible said, didn't eat or drink. I'm not telling anybody to do that, amen. I'm not doing that, amen. I'm eating me some meat, God help what did he do though he humbled himself and something great happened the apostle Paul the Bible tells us went to Arabia for three years and humbled himself before God before he started his ministry and something great happened we want something great to happen but we're not willing to pay the price God help us to humble ourselves 
That's where it started in this passage. I don't think it's any accident that the first thing that happened is that Jairus humbled himself, this man of prestige, this man of spiritual authority, this man who was a leader in the church, realized the first thing I need to do for my daughter to be healed, for my daughter to be raised, is I've got to humble myself before Jesus. And he did it. The Bible tells us, we read the verse so many times as we think about our nation, if my people in Chronicles, which are called by my name, shall what, church? Before it says to pray, before it says to turn from your wicked ways, before it says God's going to heal your land, the first thing he said is to humble yourself. I think that's there for a reason. I think it's in order for a reason. It starts with humility. He didn't care what anybody thought this day. He didn't care what the risk was. His daughter was dying. And he fell at the feet of Jesus. Some of y'all today are looking for a miracle. Maybe the first thing you need to do is just fall at the feet of Jesus. Let me give you your notes. Number one, Jairus is willing to humble himself before Jesus. The, the notes under that are this. Humility tells God we cannot do this without him and helps us to relinquish control. Some of y'all like to be in charge, amen? Man, you like to call the shots. A lot of men are like this. I, I'm going to tell you one of the biggest problems with my son that's in his second stint of drug rehab is I tried to fix him. I kept trying to make things better. I kept trying to tell him what he, what he was doing was wrong when I should have been at the feet of Jesus. Let's quit wasting our time trying to fix people and go to the one who can fix them. Amen? There's a lot of times my son didn't need my advice. He needed my faith to be at the feet of Jesus. Second point under there is humility helps keep our priorities in order. Jairus humbled himself, and we see a man here who had his priorities right. Number two, how are we doing? What time is it? 11.43. What time do we usually finish? Around noon? We're in trouble. We're on number two out of five. Amen. Jairus. Sister Stacy's going to let me preach a little. Number two. Jairus was willing to act on his faith. Not only did he humble himself before Jesus, he acted on his faith. Look at verse 23 and 24. The Bible says, and he besought him greatly. Man, Jairus besought Jesus greatly. Saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged. The Bible says that he followed Jesus greatly. What are you saying, Brother Butch? Jairus acted on his faith. He didn't just talk about it. He did something about it. Amen we got a lot of people today that talk about God. What the world needs to see today is not so much talk, but they need, to somebody, they need to see somebody living what they say they believe. We muddy the waters for this lost and dying world when we say one thing and live another. God help us to act on our faith. We see faith in Jairus Faith that was followed up with action. Jairus didn't just talk about Jesus. He went and found him. He pursued him. He was not going to be denied. Sometimes God just wants to know how bad you want it. Sometimes God just wants to know how serious you are. What is it today that will stop you from pursuing Jesus? Whatever it is, you need to get rid of it. And you need to press on. Paul said what? I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark. That word press means it ain't easy. It's a struggle sometimes, church. It's hard sometimes. Sometimes you want to give up, amen? Sometimes you want to throw in the towel. Hey, sometimes you wonder if God hears you. But I'm telling you, it's worth it just to keep on keeping on, brother. Jairus put action to his faith. The miracle of his daughter being raised from the dead was preceded by a man who humbled himself, who had great desire, and who gave his faith life by giving it action. 
The Bible tells us in the book of James that faith without works is dead. It's dead. Faith will do you no good if you don't put action to it. It's useless. Something that's dead is useless. You can't even, you can't even make it look live. Amen? I remember one time we had a dog die. God help. We, had, we lived out in the country... We had country out in the country in Pine Bluff. And I love dogs. But this is where everybody threw away that didn't want their dog, put their dog. We had stray dogs coming up to our house. And I told Sonia, I said, whatever you do, don't feed them. Amen. Don't, don't feed a stray dog. That's in the Bible somewhere. That's a good point right there. I said, don't feed them. Well, my wife's so soft-hearted, every stray animal that came up that looked hungry, she fed it. So we had dogs everywhere. We were like a kennel. I, I mean, I'd have a pack of dogs chasing me up the driveway. I said, what are we going to do? One day, one of those dogs died. And it was my wife's favorite. I thought, oh, no, I had to go to work. This was back when I'd go to work at like 4 in the morning. I had no time to bury a dog, amen? This dog was dead. Just like our faith is dead without works. This dog, you know what I did? Y'all going to love this. I said, well, the dog literally died. I guess it had a heart attack or a dog attack or whatever. It literally died like this. I mean, it was laying on the ground with its paws like pointed, and I don't know what happened to this dog. So I, I said, I said, oh my word. It was right down there by the driveway. I was in a hurry. I propped that dog up by the tree. You can't make this stuff up. This really happened. And there was a bush there, and it looked like that dog was pointing. And sure enough, when I got home that day, my wife said, boy, he looked funny today when I left. <laughs> yeah, he was, it was real funny when I told her what happened. Amen. What are you saying, Brother Butch? I'm saying, hey, just as dead as that dog was, your faith is just as dead without works. Some of y'all, it's time to act on your faith. Quit talking about it and exercise faith in Christ. You need to start believing what you say you believe. You need to start believing that God's going to give you that victory. You need to start believing that God's going to put that relationship back together. You need to start believing, like I do, that God's going to heal my boy. You need to start believing that God's going to give you victory over that addiction. Hey, as long as you don't believe it, it ain't going to happen. It takes works. The Bible says in James that Abraham was justified as he gave up his son Isaac by his works with faith. Now don't get me wrong. You can't get saved by works. That, when it says Abraham was justified, it's not saying Abraham can earn his salvation. It's saying that Abraham had to act on his faith. Just like a man that gets saved. Hey, he can't work his way to heaven, but he does have to act when God calls. we got to act on our faith. This miracle was preceded by a man who gave his faith life by acting on it. Faith and works are like fuel and a match. You've got fuel over here and a match over here. Separate, they're dead. They're useless. But bless God, you put them together and you got something amazing. That's the way faith is. Faith with works. If faith without works is dead, then faith with works is life. Some of y'all need to give your faith life today by acting upon the faith that God's given you. Some of you today need a miracle. I would encourage you to act on your faith. Some of you need a financial miracle in your life. I would encourage you to act upon that faith that you need by giving. Some of you need a miracle of healing. I would encourage you to act upon your faith by praying for someone else to be healed. Amen? Some of you are like me. You've got a wayward child that's struggling with addiction. And I would encourage you to act upon your faith 
by loving God, pursuing God, and not be angry, not doubt, not complain like I used to do. Let's act upon our faith. If we only have faith when everything's good in our life, we don't have much. God, give us faith that's real, that's got some substance to it. And when times get tough and when we're broken and when the tribulations come, we don't deny, we don't complain, but we act upon our faith. There's people in this room, I mentioned Brother Mark Brown battling a serious illness here today. And you know what I see him doing? I see him acting on his faith. He ain't just talking about it. He don't hardly say a word about it, amen? But every Sunday I come through that side door, he's got a smile on his face and a friendly spirit and says, Hello, Brother Butch, how are you doing today? Like everything's just fine. I'm talking about his faith has life. He's acting upon it. No pity party there. God, give my faith life. Help me to act upon the faith that you've given me. Abraham acted on the great faith that he needed on Mount Moriah by actually offering his son. He acted upon his faith. He didn't, he didn't run from God or complain and say, Go, God, not me, God, like I do sometimes. No, he acted upon it. And, and you know what's interesting about the story of Abraham, just as a side note? Ultimately, God didn't want Abraham to kill Isaac, offer his son. He just wanted him to be willing to. Sometimes God just wants us to be willing. He won't even ask us to sacrifice, but he wants you to be willing to. Abraham acted on his faith. Let me give you the note under that. We've got to hurry. Real faith is only demonstrated through action. It takes more than words. It must be lived and not just spoken. If all you do is talk about it, Mom and Daddy, your kids ain't going, they're not going to get it. Our kids need to see our faith, church. When things get tough, they don't need to see us fall apart. Hey, they don't, hey, they don't need to see us give up. Our children should notice our faith. God help us today to live an example of faith real faith that has action, that has life. This man's faith had life because he acted. Some of y'all just need to get up off your seat of complacency and you're going through the motions and start living the faith you talk about. Number three, Jairus was patient. Man, right in the middle of this man whose daughter was on her way to dying another woman came up. The Bible says she had an issue of blood. If you study that out, she had uncontrollable bleeding and she would be considered unclean. Under Jewish law, she would not be allowed in the temple. The Pharisees would call her unclean. And she, she had a, a 12 years. But this woman was like Jairus. She said, man, if I could just touch his clothes... And, and there's a, this is not the message, but i got to give you this. The woman said, if I could just touch his clothes, I could be healed. Jesus, she was healed, but Jesus looked at her and, and said, Lady, your faith has made you whole. Touching his clothes is not what healed her. It was her faith in what Jesus could do for her. And what I love about that is this, church. Sometimes God can take inadequate faith and still do a miracle in our life if we just give Him something to work with. Amen? This lady's faith was in the wrong thing. It wasn't in the garment. It was in Christ. But her faith was in the garment. She said, if I could just touch His garment. Jesus said, it was your faith that made you whole. And the lesson there is, sometimes even inadequate faith as long as we're trusting and believing, even if, we're, even if we're not right on track, but we're putting our faith in what we need to, God says, I'll take inadequate faith and I'll do a miracle in your life. But sometimes we give him nothing, amen? Jairus was patient. This woman had, the, man, Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. 
That's what the Bible said. All these people. Let's go to Jairus' house. His daughter's sick. Well, this woman touched him. Everything stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? The Bible says, the disciples said, Lord, are you, really? Look at all the people. What do you mean who touched you? He said, no, virtues come out of me. Somebody touched me that had faith. Somebody touched me that believed I could do something in their life. Some of us need to believe again that God can do something in our life. Hey, my son needs to believe that God can use him again. He needs to believe today that God's not through with him. He needs to reach out and touch that garment. And Jesus will take his inadequate faith and do a miracle in his life. Oh, Jesus said, and the whole time, what I love is this, church. Listen, don't miss this. We're almost done. Don't miss this. Jairus, in that passage that interrupted his miracle, that delayed his miracle, that delayed his prayer request, has God ever made you wait? Has God ever delayed your miracle? Has God ever said, hey, not now? Hey, that, that, that interruption by this woman with the issue of blood, we never see Jairus complain. Now, he may have been thinking, man, I wish we get through with this so we can get to my house. He may have wanted a sense of urgency here, but we don't, God didn't record it. And, and here's the definition of real patience. I used to think I was pretty patient. But biblical patience, if you look the Hebrew word up, is waiting. It's not just waiting. I grew up here and patience is waiting on God. And it is. But the biblical definition is waiting without complaint. I don't have as much as I thought I had. Amen. It's waiting without griping. It's waiting without getting angry. It's trusting God if it takes a week or if it takes 10 years. Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm hanging on, Jesus. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not going to gripe. I'm not going to complain. Hey, Jesus, I've got real faith here. I believe if it don't happen today, that's fine with me. I'm going to keep a good spirit. That's real patience. That's the kind of patience that precedes a miracle. I think a lot of us miss out because we gripe too much. We say, woe is me too much. We complain. We miss miracles because we don't have humility. We don't have patience. We don't act on our faith. Hey, all this stuff happened before the miracle. That old phrase, miracle, miracles don't just happen. They're the product of a life devoted to God. And some of us just ain't willing to pay that price. Patience. Patience. Uh, Jairus had patience. Let me give you the notes. Number one, God's timing is usually different than our timing. You see, I wanted God to heal my son the first week I found out he was a user. Six months into it, I said, Lord, you forgot about me. I'm trying to pastor. I'm trying to minister to people. I'm trying to win to lost souls. And my son's on drugs? I started having a pity party. But God's timing is not my timing. God reminded me of that. My faith was weak. Number two under that point. We must learn to trust God. Listen, church, this is important. When it seems like nothing is happening. You ever been there? It seemed like God doesn't hear. Nothing's moving on this prayer request. Nothing's changing. When it seems like nothing is happening or that he doesn't care. And here's the big one. Don't let impatience rob you of mature faith. Don't let impatience rob you of mature faith. The next time the trial comes, don't get impatient. Just remember, tribulation works patience. That's in the Bible too. Trials develop patience. God's probably, the next time the trial comes, see, I was angry. I was doubting and I was mad. I should have just got into the Word of God and God reminded me, hey, I'm going to build some patience in you through this. We need it. It's in the Bible a lot. I think that means we need it. I think God knows what we need. Amen? Now, some people are better at patience than others. Some of y'all have a, a strong level of patience. 
Some of y'all have zero. Y'all know who you are, amen? But the bottom line, patience is like faith. We probably have all different levels, but we probably all need more. Lastly today, we're going to get these two points. I'm just going to give you the notes because it's after 12. Number four, Jairus didn't allow others' opinions to influence his faith. I like that one. Look at verse 35 and 36 before we're done. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. So this woman interrupted their their mission to the house and Jairus' 12-year-old daughter died. And, And the crowd came and said, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Don't bother Jesus. The point is this. And you need to get this. Don't depend on outside support for your miracle. Sometimes you're not going to get the encouragement and the support you need from the outside. Amen? Even in churches. And we need to encourage each other and exhort each other and love each other. And we're good at that at Gospel Light. Not all churches are. But don't depend on that for your miracle. Don't depend on that to grow your faith. I remember in the Old Testament one time when David was empty and broken and the Bible said nobody cared for him. And David said this in one verse. He said, David, the Bible says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you're not going to get a lot of support or sympathy. Nobody's going to be sensitive. You just got to carry on and encourage yourself in the Lord. Too many of God's people today are dependent on somebody else helping them to get through. When God says, all you need to get through is me. Don't let the outside support. The outside support, man, if Jairus had went along with them, he would have quit right there. Jesus, I'm sorry to bother you. My daughter's dead. I'm sorry, God. Jesus, they, they told me she's dead. Why am I bothering you? I'm sorry, Lord. I'm glad he didn't do that. The note under that is this. Our faith should never be dependent on the attitude of others, but on the promises of His Word. I'm not going to base my faith and my miracles on what others think about it or condition it by what they say or do or try to discourage me. I'm going to base it on the promises of the Bible. Number five, and we'll be done. Jairus' faith impacted his daughter. Now, listen to this. His faith, because of his faith this day, his daughter was healed. She was raised from the dead. Because a man had a desire to find Christ. A man was willing to humble himself, a a ruler of the synagogue. A, A man acted on his faith. He didn't just talk about it. He didn't let the outside discouragers make him quit. And it impacted his daughter. Mom and dad, listen to me. You can't give your kids your faith, but you should demonstrate it to them. Your kids should notice your faith. You can't, they got to have their own faith. Faith is like salvation. Everybody has their own experience. But we ought to demonstrate it in front of them. They should notice it. The notes under that are this. Mature faith will not only sustain you, it'll affect those around you like it did her. And then lastly, and I'll give you this and we're done. Many miracles are missed because of doubt. And many prayers go unanswered because we don't believe it ourselves. What does Jesus say in the last verse? The Bible says... Verse 39, And when he was coming to the house, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, she sleeps. And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother. And he took Peter, John, 
and James. That crowd that laughed at him, that said, what are you talking about? She's dead. The crowd that didn't believe Jesus ushered them out of the room, didn't he? Only about it went in that bedroom to see Jairus be raised from the dead was Mama and Daddy and the disciples. The only ones that went in to see the miracle were the ones that believed Jesus could do it. I'm telling you, church, if you don't believe, you're going to miss a miracle. Some of you today have missed miracles. I have missed miracles. I have missed anointings because I didn't even believe myself. God says those that are laughing, those that don't believe, I'm going to usher you out of here. The only people going to see this are the people that believe it's going to happen. God, give us the faith to believe so that we don't miss the miracles He has for us. See, I've changed my heart on my son. I used to get angry when I thought about my son being drug addiction. I used to have a pity party. But God's moved me on this thing. See, I believe God's going to heal my son now. I don't know when. Man, we're five, six years into this thing, but I believe He's going to do it. His timing's right. God's got a reason for it taking this long. I don't know the details of that, but I believe Him. And I can visually see my son serving God again. I can visually see my son being a good father to his children. I can visually see my son holding down a job and living a responsible life. Why? Because I believe. Some of y'all need to believe again. Some of y'all need to come today and humble. It starts with humility. And just humble yourself. Say, Lord, I'm going to start over today with humility. Some of y'all need to have faith and act on it. Some of y'all need to quit letting other people influence your attitude and, your, and condition in your faith. Some of y'all just need to believe again. And the miracles will come. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Hey, maybe there's somebody here to say, Brother Bush, the fact is, I don't even know I'm saved. I, I've never trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. Brother Butch, pray for me. If I died right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. Brother Butch, would you do that right? Would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me, preacher. I'm not even sure I'm saved. Or I know I'm not saved. Pray for me. Hold your hand up. Don't be embarrassed. You've got to get humble first. That's what the Bible... Put your pride down and, and trust Jesus today if you need to be saved. Anybody? Hey... Christian, did God speak to you today? Who would raise your hand and say, Brother Butch, at one part of this sermon, God worked in my heart today. Hey, hold your hand up. Don't be ashamed. God worked in my life. He worked in my heart. He spoke to me. Maybe it's humility. Maybe it's acting on your faith. Maybe it's not worrying about what other people think. Hey, would you come today? Maybe some just need to come and believe that God's going to do what you want Him to do. Let's stand. Father, we love you and thank you for the day.